Hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of Conscious Conversations. I'm your host, Pia Kempe. And this week, I am having a conversation around psychedelic medicine and using psychedelic medicine for trauma healing, mental well-being, holistic health, and transformation. Um, I'm really excited about this episode because from what I've seen, read, listened to, um, I feel like the the view on psychedelic medicine is changing from potentially being seen as a harmful drug to becoming more widely used in therapy and in trauma healing and generally in treating mental health symptoms. So I'm really excited to have this chat with Josh Halu, who is the founder and CEO of the Psychedelic Exchange. He is a dynamic leader committed to revolutionizing mental health care through the innovative use of psychedelic therapies. His background, steeped in military leadership from his time at West Point and as an army officer, fuels his dedication to a critical mission, bridging the number of veteran suicides down to zero. With his deep understanding of mental illnesses, including trauma, depression, and PTSD, as well as the unique challenges faced by veterans, Josh is pioneering new approaches in mental health care. He strives to transform the landscape of treatment and support for all, while destigmatizing the use of psychedelic medicines for mental wellness. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Josh. I'm so, so excited to have this chat with you today. Thank you, Pia. I am so happy to be here. (laughs) Um, To kick us off, I would love for you to share a little bit about your story and how you got into psychedelics, how you started a business around psychedelics. I know you've shared this with me before, but I think it's a very special story and I would love for our listeners to hear it too. Thank you. Um, My story, I always think about where my story begins and um, I've come to the conclusion that my story starts with with suicide, with the suicide of my father, um, which actually is uh, the first memory I have in life was going to my father's funeral when I was four years old. Um, And after that, uh, my family just experienced a lot of trauma and depression and mental illness. I think as a result, uh, my mom had bipolar depression and uh, my siblings both have depression, um, as as do I, that we've been treated for. But I think that that uh, the death of my father really unlocked a lot of that and it resulted in a really turbulent childhood that ultimately led to my mom and my stepfather sending me away to military school when I was in high school. And uh, and that was obviously a traumatic experience for me. Um, felt a lot of abandonment from my father originally and then from my family sending me away. But, but in hindsight, I, I certainly wasn't probably an easy child to have. Um, at that point in time, I was, you know, getting in a lot of fights, getting into trouble and had a lot of, I was just misguided, uh, didn't have a lot of um, adult figures that were helping me um, <laughs> under, under, understand myself. I was in and out of therapy and 
and you know and, and experienced a lot of a lot of that aspect of the mental health um, industry. And then when I was in high school, I decided that I was going to make the military a, a career or a career path that would have let me take more control of my life. So I wasn't going to have to rely on my parents anymore um, or anybody else but myself. So I became very like, fiercely independent and decided I wanted to go to West Point, which is the, the United States Military Academy. It's the, like the prominent um, officer development uh, college or academy uh, to to create officers for the U.S. Army. So I went I went to West Point, graduated uh, 21 and became an aviation officer and uh, a Black Hawk helicopter pilot and an Army Ranger. And I served active duty for for seven years, including one one tour to Afghanistan. And then I got out of the Army when I was um, when I was about 28 years old. And at that point, I had been in a uniform from age 14 to age 28. So literally half of my life, the, the, the half that I remembered, um, I, I was in a uniform and, you know, had experienced a lot of trauma and loss from my my time in war. And just a few short days after I got out of the Army, four days after I signed out, I also lost one of my closest friends in the world um, who we went to high school together. We were, we were uh, roommates. We went to we went to college together and then we also went to Afghanistan together and he ended up getting out of the army a couple couple of years before I did and was doing his his master's degree and was on a, a trip to Israel with his with his college and was tragically killed in a just a random ta- uh, stabbing attack walking down the street and this was of course after he'd already been to Iraq and to Afghanistan on two different uh, war wartime deployments and uh, like I said, that was four days after I signed out of the army myself. So at the end of my seven-year career, and it sent me into uh, just deep depression. Uh, I, was, I was married at the time. It, it created a lot of challenges in my marriage. You know, transitioning out of the military is already a really difficult transition to make. Um, and I was getting into the corporate world and starting my job, you know, my new job and my new life, <laughs> learning how to how to wear, you know, civilian clothes and not not a not a uniform anymore. And um, just getting used to the swing of life. But on top of that, uh, my friend's death just really triggered a lot of deep-seated trauma that I'd never dealt with before. Um, I recognized that I'd gone through most of my life with a lot of anger and aggression and resentment, and that was my fuel. And all of a sudden, my friend's death, you know, re-exposed me to my, to, to you know, coming to terms with my father's suicide, to my my childhood abandonment, my wartime trauma, um, you know, and, and all of those those traumatic experiences of of being, you know, in war, flying helicopters, getting shot at, you know, getting rocket attacked, losing friends, um, dealing with a really high stress environment. And that was my normal. You know, that was, that was when I was 24, 25 years old. It's crazy to think about it. You know, thinking back on it, I feel like I was a child at that time. And then uh, fast forward about three or four years um, to. 2019, I decided to, uh, I, was, I was now in my early 30s, and um, I, I decided to take time off of work and focus on my healing journey. And I, uh, I'd always wanted to uh, do a hike called the Appalachian Trail, which is in the U- U.S. It's the longest footpath in the world. It's 2,200 miles. And I don't know what that is in kilometers, but I think it's over 3,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. But I decided to hike that that trail in honor of my friend, and I started on the day that that he died, um, three years later on March eighth, and hiked from uh, from southeast 
United States in, in Georgia up to the Northeast United States um, in Maine through 14 states. And I did that over four months and I carried my friend's dog tags that his family gave me and really took that time for the first time ever to get out of the normal pace in life and, and think about what, you know, like really healing and really reflecting on the challenges that I had faced in life. And I met, you know, new interesting people. And I, for the first time, wasn't directing my life. I was following the trail, but I was just letting, you know, the days unfold one at a time and sleeping under the stars and, and feeling like, you know, I was able to kind of breathe free for the first time. But at the end of that, uh, my friend's parents and sister finished the finished the the final the final summit the mountain summit of the hike with me, which was just a beautiful experience to kind of end end that part of my life. And I came back home and went back to kind of a normal way of life. Got a got a job again and started working. And and beyond that, um, I started to uh, see the Veteran Affairs, um, which is the you know the program in the U.S. that takes care of veterans when they've gotten out of the military it's like the healthcare organization among other things and i finally started taking antidepressants and i started to feel like i was uh, my mood was starting to stabilize and i was finding decent time you know in the swing of life i i didn't feel happy or joyous for sure but i felt uh at least somewhat content and then uh and then we rolled into 2020 and then the pandemic hit <laughs> which um, you know, at that time I was living in New Jersey, right, right outside of New York city. And it was, a my, my wife at the time was in, was in, um, the healthcare industry. She, she was a former nurse and then, you know, was an executive at, at a hospital in New Jersey. And we both, uh, started working primarily remotely. So we were kind of on top of each other in the house, both working long days and, recognizing that we uh that you know we, there was you know a lot of kind of bad energy and a lot of other unresolved traumas i think started to surface at at that point in time like i think maybe happened for a lot of people in the pandemic when it, we were really kind of exposed to ourselves um and 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 you know being being with ourselves in a new and a completely radically different environment for the first time and a few months later my wife and i decided to divorce and I felt like I was, I was, my depression really kicked up a big notch around that point in time. And I really started struggling. Um, and this was maybe a couple of months before, before my divorce, but um, around that time, I learned about psychedelics for the first time. I had, uh, I had, uh, I had started um, exploring cannabis and you know thc and cbd for the use of my for anxiety and for um depression and i found certainly benefit from it although sometimes i felt like it was more of an escape um you know or a way to kind of numb my feelings versus addressing them directly but at, at one point in time um one of my friends brought up uh, psilocybin mushrooms to me as a um you know reading that they help with trauma and uh, and in my mind, it was just, you know, I only heard of psychedelics from the perspective of, you know, hallucinating, going on, you know, take trips, you know, taking a, uh, a psychedelic trip, going to music festivals, like, you know, recreationally, I never thought about it from a perspective of healing. Uh, and so I really dove into the the research and really tried to understand what it all was about. And at that point in time, you know, three, four years ago, there really wasn't that much information about psychedelics. I mean, there was, but it, 
it's kind of there's kind of been a psychedelic re- renaissance over the last couple of years and a lot more research is coming out um constantly about the benefits of psychedelics and mental health so you know i don't know where to go find find drugs <laughs> i don't know where to, <laughs> it was never it was never part of my life so i was like you know i don't know where, where so i so i found out that it's actually you know fairly straightforward to grow your own and i'm a pretty self-reliant person so i learned how to do that and ended up growing my own mushrooms and right about that time when my mushrooms were just about finished growing my wife told me that she wanted to get a divorce um so a lot of was happening all at once and we just agreed that it was it was the best thing for us so that we could each kind of pursue our own happiness and that you know we weren't we weren't we weren't going to be happy living a life together um on the trajectory that we were on and um so i packed everything up and i moved west to las vegas a couple of weeks later which is where my family uh, a lot of my family lives so i could be closer to family and i really you know i grew up in the western us and wanted to kind of be back here and in my car i had my <laughs> my mushrooms <laughs> and i was actually <laughs> in my in my cargo and uh you know i told myself as soon as i got settled into my new place in in las vegas i was going to um going to try them and see what it, what the experience was like a big part of psychedelics is is having the right set and setting meaning the right mindset and being in the right physical setting and uh and so I, the first weekend i got everything situated in my house and uh it was saturday and i decided that was the day that i was i was going to try you know try my first psychedelic experience and in hindsight i should have had uh what's called like a trip sitter or a facilitator mm-hmm. somebody there for did me but you, wait did you do it alone for the first time yeah so the first time i did do it alone and i kind of did it intentional you know i've being having been in the army and and all those other you know crazy experiences that i've had i i don't know i've kind of had a certain aspect of fearlessness or sometimes i would even call it recklessness you know i don't encourage anybody to do psychedelics on their own especially the first time um but for me i really want i desired the the experience to be alone because i wanted to confront myself you know Mm. for, for the first time you know, I wanted to see once I <laughs> once I went deep into my psyche, you know, assuming that the mushrooms would do what I had read that they would do, that I would I would have an ex- experience that I wanted it, that I that I desired to have. So, yeah, I did it completely alone. It was a it was a large dose. And um, and, you know, within an hour, they fully kicked in and I was in the experience for probably a solid six hours. Um, and during that time, I experienced you know, what I would consider a full ego death. Uh, I, I confronted my father's suicide, my divorce, my losing my friend, uh, challenges with my upbringing, my, you know, relationships with my siblings, uh, experiences in war. You know, I felt like I lived and died a million times. And, and, uh, you know, at the end of, at the end of it all, I, I found, um, peace and, love and gratitude and i i came out of the experience well at the end of the six hours i was almost positive that i was dead or never had existed <laughs> <laughs> which is a terrifying experience to have you know i was like truly believed that everything at that point in time was just a projection of my consciousness and that i was utterly alone and i'd taken like the red pill in the matrix and life would never be the same and it was really terrifying i mean life really never was the same afterward 
But um, at that point, at that specific point in time, I was certain that I was the only con like conscious being in the entire world and I was utterly alone forever. And I finally decided, like, I wouldn't look at my phone. I refused to look at my phone because I, I felt like if I looked at my phone, it would just confirm, <laughs> would just confirm what I, what I believed. So I didn't want to, didn't want to confirm it. But finally, I decided to, like, look at my phone and I, and I called my mom. And, uh, you know, my mom is a kind of a hippie from the 60s and 70s. And she, I didn't know this about her at the time, but she had done a lot of LSD and mushrooms and really used to love, you know, psychedelic experiences. I'd never called my mom for anything like that before. Like I was very fear, like I kind of resented my mom for sending me away for so many years. So the, the idea to call my mom was like, was it was a was even novel in and of itself yeah I thought so I, it's interesting that you decided to call your mom it's <laughs> I wouldn't guess that that's what most people would do when they're coming off a trip or a journey um so <laughs> I love that <laughs> yeah I, I for some reason she was the only person that I thought to call um and I called her and I was sobbing you know it's like First of all, to hear somebody else's voice and to kind of recognize that I wasn't actually dead. I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. And, and, you know, I told my mom I'd taken mushrooms and I was, you know, I was sure that I was dead. And, um, you know, she like talked me down and, you know, made me feel comfortable and loved. And uh, I told her, you know, what I'd experienced. And it was really a powerful moment. And, once I hung up that phone, you know, I was probably on the, on the phone with her for a solid hour. And, um, and once I was off that call, I just sat and I was like, with my mind blown about what I just experienced. And I, I recognized in them in the moment that I didn't have those feelings of self resentment and self judgment and anger, um, you know, and all those, those, those negative voices in my head were, were very, were very much replaced with feelings of self-love and self-kindness and self-respect and joy and gratitude. I mean, so much gratitude, so much gratitude to feel like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have my life anymore. And I was, I, and, and I did have my life. And in fact, I had, you know, I had every day for the rest of my life to experience that, that, that gratitude for existence. And from that point forward, I still was working in my corporate job for another three years. And I kept like this, this psychedelic side of me, very, very, very quiet, very shadow. Um, I tried to keep both sides of my life separate because there's a you know, big stigma around psychedelics. I didn't even know how to feel uh, myself as you know, a West Point graduate. You know, there's a very significant kind of pedigree um, education and a military officer and a corporate leader and all, you know, you know, all these little, little mm. titles that are part of your ego. And I had to decide at, you know, at some point, like what to do with reconciling those two identities that I had. But over the course of the next two or three years, I, you know, I continued to uh, have psychedelic experiences, consume, consume mushrooms on my own, but more importantly, with with other friends who were veterans who had also, I knew had trauma and PTSD, depression um, with family. So I used them quite a bit with my brother and we worked through a lot of our challenges with our upbringing. And I started even using them with my mother 
then we'd have about three or four psychedelic journeys together also. And I mean, through that process, we were able to really heal and connect, you know, as human beings and see each other, you know, for for real people for the first time and start to form a really powerful relationship um, that I never, <laughs> you asked me four years ago, I'd be like, there's no, there's no way my mom, you know, like I'd see my mom call like three, four times over the course of a week and be like, I guess I finally have to pick up the phone and talk to my mom, you know, but now she's, you know, my, one of my, one of my closest friends in the world. And, um, you know, we were even, we've even started, uh, started the process of writing a book about healing multi-generational trauma with with the use of psychedelics because it's been such a powerful part of our relationship so about a year one to two years ago i decided that i I wanted to actually move into the psychedelic industry which in the united states is and around the world is starting to really shift in some places is you know psychedelics are fully legal or psychedelic assisted therapy in the u.s like ketamine assisted therapy is fully legal. And um, a few years ago in 2017, the the FDA, uh, which, you know, which is the, the certifying body over, over, uh, over food and drugs in the, in the U S uh, actually granted breakthrough status for the study of MDMA and psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms and MDMA, you hear sometimes street drugs like, like Molly or ecstasy, but they were granted breakthrough status in 2017 for the treatment of depression, major depressive disorder and, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so at this current point in time, there's, there's so much promise in the field, even, you know, supporting veterans with the veterans administration, they're doing a ton of research showing just how that, that is proving just how powerful these psychedelic medicines are at completely like re- reshaping the way that you you exist with your trauma and your traumatic experiences and helping you create like new neural pathways, um, which is the experience I've had and the experience that I've had with many of my friends and family as you know as I've gone through these these journeys over the past couple of years. And then about a year ago, I decided that I was I was going to make the full change from you know, being in my corporate job to, you know, I was, I was very, ner- I was very, very nervous about it, but coming, you know, becoming kind of psychedelically out, you know, out of the closet essentially and, um, and owning my uh, identity authentically. And I decided, uh, I wanted to move into the entrepreneurial space and start a company that ultimately, um, would create access to psychedelic medicine, safe and trustworthy and legal access to, to psychedelic medicines and, and psychedelic assisted therapy, um, as well as education and information and community around those, because there's, you know, just, just like me, there's just like I experienced there's so much misinformation. Most people aren't, you know, aren't going to take it in their own hands to go and, you know, grow their own mushrooms or seek out a psychedelic experience. You know, you're going to, for the most part, either suffer in silence or go through, you know, go through talk therapy and be be on antidepressants to numb symptoms like I did versus actually trying to heal the underlying causes of of your mental illness or your, your, your trauma. And, um, and, you know, and I've just decided that it's, that it's my, my mission in life to, uh, to help other people lead a lead a healthy existence um, through a you know heavy focus on on mental wellness and uh, and and do my part to destigmatize um, these medicines and uh, and use my story and my platform 
um, and now my company to uh, to to create access to to psychedelic assisted therapy and let other people um, you know begin their healing journey. So you don't have to exist in that in that space that I existed for so long. Um, and one quick statistic I'll share that I, that I read while I was on this journey, and then I'll stop talking. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, something like one in five people in the U.S., at least adults in the U.S., have have uh, mental illness, and about one in twenty have a debilitating mental illness. Um, but on average, it takes eleven years from symptom onset to actually beginning to seek treatment for your mental illness. So there's so much time in that space before you even start on that journey. And then once you start on that journey, the typical experience these days is that, you know, you'll go see a therapist and, you know, at the end of your hour, okay, that wraps it up. That wraps it up for this hour. We'll meet next week, you know, and all right, let's put you on antidepressants and it's going to take you, you know, a month or two to get stable on this SRI, SSRI, and then we'll bump the dose up or down. And then if this one doesn't work, we'll try you on another one. And, you know, so it could be a two-year process just to become stable on an antidepressant. And over the course of that time, you could be suicidal, right? You don't have a will yeah. to live. And every time, maybe the, it's not the right therapist. You got to start your journey all over again and find the right therapist. And it's, and, and one of the research studies that just came out over the last two years showed that in MDMA-assisted psycho, um, psychotherapy, uh, 67%, so two out of three of the participants lost their PTSD diagnosis altogether after one session of MDMA mm -hmm. and the integration afterward. So you think about that. Think about what the journey is right now for somebody with depression or PTSD or some other mental illness and how long it takes to just seek treatment, let alone to feel like you're actually, you know, you're, you're whole, if ever. And mm. the study is showing with psychedelic medicine, such a high percentage, you know, efficacy of one, two, three treatments that persists for six months, one year and beyond after that experience and is curing the, under, the, the underlying condition and helping you actually lead a healthier life. And not just in your life, but, you know, each individual life that is impacted has ripple effects, right? It's a, it's a father that can now leave their house and see their kids play soccer when before, you know, maybe they were, you know, had wartime trauma and, and didn't want to ever leave their house because they were always have to look over their shoulder and never felt comfortable. Right. And then you can participate in your community and you can just live such a higher quality of life with joy and gratitude and, and peace um, and be part of your community again. And anyway, it's just, it's, that's, that's become my deep passion so that uh, I can, you know, help, help as many people as I can, as, as, you know, as we can live a healthy and full life. Mm. Oh, thank you so much for being so open and going into so much detail. I think it's really valuable for people to hear your background and hear where it comes from and your experience and where it's taken you today. I think it's an amazing beautiful story um and there's so many things I could touch on with everything that you told me but I guess um I have a question around like you meant you talked about traditional therapy and dog therapy and antidepressants and that whole system kind of not working right now and I've, I've seen it too over here in Finland and in general there's a lot of conversation around 
mental health declining overall. And based on my own experience, going to a therapist and within 15 minutes, they wanted to put me on antidepressants without asking any questions around my life. My friends have had the same story. And luckily we had some kind of network of people who knew where to go so that it didn't have to go down the 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 wrong or unhelpful path but instead we were we got help elsewhere and were able to kind of start looking at the root cause for why are we feeling this way but i think it's really sad that that's not the case for a lot of people and then they think it's mind blowing did you say 11 years from the onset of symptoms to seeking even, treatment even seek yeah. treatment and i i think that just shows that there's a big systemic issue um and i I'd, I'd love to hear from you a little bit more around like so if we take traditional therapy and dog therapy and what's typically offered for people who are depressed for example versus um psychedelics so what what do psychedelics do so you mentioned that within one session, you had a completely different outlook on life, your inner voice was different, feeling more gratitude, love, joy. Um, So would you just talk through what happens in a really simple way for someone who is not familiar with psychedelics yet? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 and I don't want to completely, of course, you know, I'm not bashing traditional talk therapy or, or even pharmaceuticals, you know, in general, I think that you know, there are different tools and there are different methods and combinations of different tools and methods that can make a difference. I think, I think at the core, mental illness and mental health is incredibly individual, you know, to, mm. to, to, to a person. And um, there is a combination of things that, you know, that, that needs, that can work. But the most important thing is that, is that practitioners of, you know, mental health and individuals know all of the tools that are at the at their disposal, you know, it could be a combination of talk therapy and psychedelic medicine. The important thing about psychedelic medicine is, yes, the medicine is is powerful, um, and there are many different types of psychedelics um, that have different that have different effects. But at at a at a high level, the important aspect of psychedelic medicine is that um there's a, a heavy there, there is or should be a heavy focus on the psychedelic assisted psychotherapy aspect of it so in a in a session yeah there's there's people like me that will just go go take matters into their own hands um but the most important thing about a psychedelic experience is to recognize that the medicine what the medicine is doing is it's putting you into a uh, a, a certain state of mind, like more of a, let's call it a neuroplastic state of mind um, that enables you to, the way I like to think about it is like, you know, we have these well-worn like ski paths. Like if you've ever been on a mountain skiing and, you know, they're you know deeply cut into the mountain and you can, you can follow these, these ski paths. And that's kind of like what our brains are. We have an experience, it becomes part of our mind. And that's just now part of our psyche or consciousness and how we go forward um, and make decisions in the future subconsciously is just based on those well-worn paths about how our you know how neural neural pathways are already shaped. What the psychedelic medicine does is 
you know, this is an analogy, of course, is, is it's like a fresh powder snowfall on top of those tracks. Mm. And it allows you to take a step up, you know, from the 30,000 foot view or 10,000 meter foot, <laughs> foot view. And, uh, and, 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 re and really um, relook at those traumatic experiences that we've had in our lives and relook at the, the wiring that we've have, that we have and the assumptions and subconscious um, thoughts and choices that we've made and brings those up to our conscious level. And then re, re, rewrite our narrative essentially. Um, and you know, they allowed, I, that's what I was able to do on my own in most, most um, psychedelic assisted uh, psychotherapy. There's usually a preparation aspect. Um, there should be uh, even, even me doing them on my own. You know, I've read a couple books about it. I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, completely irresponsible. I read several books um, and really, you know, educated myself about what the right preparation process was. So, you know, like certain diets and, you know, leading up to the experience, writing down my uh, intentions beforehand, even though, you know, once you enter the experience, you just kind of have to surrender. You can't, the medicine's going to, you know, take you where, where it takes you. Um, and then on the other side is really the most important piece, which is the integration aspect. How are you integrating those experiences back into your regular life? I mean, it's it's like similar to, right? Like, you know, if you're going on a diet or you go on a retreat and you experience something completely new and it's life-changing, or you go on a diet and you change your diet for a period of time and you see dramatic results. If you don't actually carry forth those lessons into your life moving forward, then it's an isolated experience. Yeah, you're you're still probably gonna have benefited, certainly, because you've you've radically shifted your your state of mind for a period of time that's allowed you to rethink a lot of things. Um, but without really proper integration, right? Like I always journal after an experience. I always really sit and reflect and I give myself a, a couple days to to internalize what experience I've had. And that's what, that's what, um, a lot of these, these therapies and these, these clinics, um, will actually do. And what the, what the research, uh, what the research trials are actually doing is they certainly have those follow-ups and those follow-ups are very focused on integrating the experience into your lifestyle moving forward into your mindset moving forward. And that is where, uh, that's where like the, the real, the real change happens, but it happens on a, much more condensed timeline than you know five years of of just of just talk therapy mm. or or just you know being on antidepressants just just kind of accepting i guess i'm going to be on antidepressants and take this pill every day for the rest of my life mm. with mm, because you mentioned tr like trauma and looking at trauma and actually that like rising to your consciousness and i'm just thinking because often people there's like when we think about trauma there's heavy emotions associated with that trauma so that's why we'd rather not go there and we keep it in our body and it's it's blocked in our body um mm -hmm. and with psychedelics would you say it's it's easier to go there it's not as scary because the mind would if you're just in a normal setting your mind would just protect you from going there so on psychedelics would yeah would you say it's um somehow a less scary process to actually feel those feelings and and look at that trauma 
Yeah, I I would say I don't know if I would I would categorize it as less less scary. I think it just is a more conscious processing and a more intentional processing. I mean, a psychedelic experience can, you know, can, can and often, uh, especially tra- trauma related when you're, when you're going into it with intention and have unresolved trauma, mm. um, can certainly be challenging. Um, people, people just t- talk about bad trips sometimes, you know, it's a good trip or a bad trip. Honestly, I don't think that there's a, such a thing as a bad trip. I think there are challenging trips and challenging trips are where those, those big realizations and aha moments and, you know, the, and, and changes really happen because you're, you, you're, it's, it's not that, you know, it's not that it's, it's not a scary process. It's, it's more like an objective process of looking at the, at these, at these different experiences or these different mindsets that have become resolute inside of our, inside of our consciousness. So we're able to confront these, these things as just like, like we were talking about before we started the call about accepting your journey for what Mm -hmm. your journey is. And instead of fighting and saying, Oh, you know, if only I had a better upbringing, I would, I wouldn't have, you know, all this trouble in my life or, you know, if my mom was better, if my dad was around, whatever, you know, if, if, if this didn't happen, then, Right. There's kind of a, a victim mentality yeah. in, in that. And with the psychedelics, with, in my experience and in, in what I've seen is they help you get out of that victim kind of subjective mentality and more just look very objectively at at your path and your journey and say, you know, I don't I don't need to be anchored to these thoughts in the past that are really controlling and dictating the way I live my life today in the present, but rather I can. I can just meet myself where I am today and say, I love who I am. I am, I am, I am the culmination of my life experience. That is exactly who I am. And it does no good to fight, to fight against that. Like that's never going to get me anywhere. The best thing that I can do is accept, you know, accept who I am and love who I am, not despite what I've gone through, but because I've gone through all these challenges. And because I've gone through these challenges and I accept them as part of who I am and I don't blame them and I don't blame anybody else for my current circumstances, I can recognize that now I can live in the present. I don't have to be tied or anchored to the past anymore. I can live here in the present. I can be hopeful about the future. Um, I don't have to be you know, anxious about the future anymore and I don't have to be tied to negative thought patterns from the past. I can just fully come to terms and arrive here in the present as my full self, accepting everything about myself, loving everything about myself, and and then choosing what my narrative is from this point in time moving forward. I love that. Yeah, that I mean, that is life-changing. And I think that's what um I guess a lot of people maybe aren't aware that it's possible to live that way. And they're potentially a little bit unaware about how much their past is affecting their present moment, their choices, beliefs, behaviors. At least that's what I saw with myself, like life now versus life 
before I I started my healing journey. I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea I could experience this kind of lightness about being me and excitement about the future and not being tied to um, behavioral patterns, thought, thought patterns, attitudes, things that just affect my life in such a, I, would, I, I don't like to call things negative, but in a way that just doesn't, I, I feel a sense of lightness. And I think we spoke about this before too. Um, and I love that through psychedelics, people, I don't want to say an, like, it. it's a quicker way to achieve that, but that there's a, yeah, a way, way to get there that way too. And I think that's why it's a little bit sad that there's so much stigma around psychedelics like it's really I think everybody remembers like your brain on drugs and classifies all all drugs into one category that's very negative and dirty and some somehow shouldn't be done or talked about um when actually there's so much magic to it and people can can get so much help from it yeah yeah I absolutely agree the stigma is one of the biggest challenges to overcome and yeah, I was having this conversation yesterday, in fact, about the the impacts of those commercials, like the war on drugs. Um, I think a lot of it was 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 rooted. It's you know, it's rooted in political cycles. It's rooted in racism. Mm. Um, and it and it created this. You think you think what I don't know if you've ever read the book like 1984, you know, George Orwell, no. 1984. But it's, uh, you know, they, it, it, it's it's amazing what one generation of conditioning can do you know for the course of of history you know for a society if if you're a you know a, if, if you lived in you know in the, whatever it was the 80s or whatever when those commercials were coming out and that's what you were seeing every day and all you were hearing was that all drugs are bad and you know everything's kind of lumped into the same category right heroin and meth and crack and mm. you know cocaine is the same thing as 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 you know as mushrooms you know the, the substance that grows naturally out of the ground then you know you if you hear that for 10 or 20 years and that's that's what you're exposed to that entire generation you know then then they become parents and then that's what they teach you know that's what you teach your kids so you're fighting against history um there's a there was you know a lot of misinformation campaigns and then now there's this whole process of what i call unlearning Right, like, mm. which is also what I consider is what you have to do. I think everybody, for some reason or another, is going to have some trauma, you know, some challenge from childhood, something that resonates into who they become later in life, and we all have to go through this process of unlearning, um, and and that's kind of that that fresh powder snowfall that I talk about, right? It's like it's this this uh, this unlearning of of whatever subconscious mentality or conscious mentality that you've developed and start to become more of a, an independent thinker you know and a person mm. who's who's not just accepting things that are fed to you and 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 understanding that you know you have to take what you hear with a grain of salt and and have a little bit of you know skepticism when you when you hear certain messages um not that you can't trust you know not that you can't have trust but <laughs> but there's a you know, you have to you have to understand how we got to where we are today, and why you know psychedelics are lumped into 
the same category as you know all other you know like what i would call hard drugs that that can really destroy families i mean psychedelics are are anything but habit forming um because you know once you've once, once you've experienced first of all a psychedelic experience can be a very challenging experience and it's something that you you learn and grow from and as you move forward you you recognize wow i don't I, I actually, it's it's not something I really desire to go through again. It was a cha- it was a challenging mm. experience. It was work. It was work to go through that. Um, you know, it's it's not passive. It's you know, it can be it can be an active processing you know experience. But yeah, this the the overcoming of that that misinformation and and kind of recognizing how we got to where we are today and how to how to be more informed um, moving forward. I think is 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 a big focus of the psychedelic movement and the psychedelic industry um and certainly you know my my, my platform and my company and there's kind of a, a backing into the the legal framework and the societal framework right that 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 has to happen so that you know the 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 medic the medicines can become recategorized from like you know not being therapeutic so that they can actually be researched and studied and um you know re-educating or educating the society about about mental illness and just you know just actually like think about the last decade or so when we actually can start to feel comfortable having podcasts like this and talking about mm. mental illness as part of the you know, what what health and fitness really is right it's my it's mind body body and spirit yeah and I, I agree with that. And I love what you said about unlearning, like unlearning what we've been taught, what we've been conditioned to think be. And I think that's what life really is about. It's a return, like a process of returning to self. And regardless if it's done through psychedelics or without them, like through other healing methods, it will in some ways be a painful process because it's not easy to look at your conditioning um, and <laughs> also accept that I've been living this way for such a long time and I didn't really have to. Like, it's it's not actually me. It's this ego, condi- like conditioning ego running the show or fear. Um, so it's, it's never going to be a completely, like, happy and joyous and... <laughs> butterflies and rainbows process but truth when you when we go through that then there's a lot of empowerment I think that comes from it like oh I've looked at all of this um and I'm becoming more of myself um and I think that is very beautiful and yeah for most people that's necessary like I don't know anyone who doesn't have any trauma um and I, I I don't think that's part of the human experience to to not have trauma. So, um, yeah, I would say that pain. You can't experience. You can't experience the. You can't experience the highs if you don't have the lows to com- to really compare it to. Also, and I think. Yeah. I think I think learning perseverance perseverance and resilience are incredibly important. Like I can I, yeah one I can't imagine like nobody having trauma and I also can't imagine you know, what, what life is like if you haven't been tested and haven't had to Mm. develop perseverance and resilience and grit and, you know, these abilities to, to, to work through challenging moments. Um, 
because you know the range of human emotions are are incredible but you know the, there's polarity right so you can't you can't experience bliss if you haven't experienced sorrow mm. at least I, don't, I don't think you can and, and, and I don't <laughs> I don't think there's like what I've seen that's really interesting is like the deeper I go into my pain and the deeper pain I'm able to feel, the more love and joy I'm able to feel. And I sometimes catch myself. I'm like, holy shit. Like I had no idea life could feel this good, but it also means that I've had to go deep in my pain and feel that too, because you can't have one without the other. Yeah. I think you you brought up a really great, great point too, because I think that the limitation, like the limitation of which you're capable of, say, loving in the world or loving somebody else is limited on the the depth to which you can love yourself. Mm. And and the and the amount of tolerance for um, you know, for for what abuse you'll you'll take from the world is also limited, is you know, is 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 limited to how much you know, abuse, self-abuse you'll inflict on yourself, mm. right? So there's these, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you can't, you know, if you haven't really learned to, to love who you are and accept who you are, I, I think it's, 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 it can be very difficult, if not impossible to have those feelings for another, another human being or truly empathize with somebody else's plight, um, and the yeah the 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 fear aspect yeah the, so the, I think I think that's that's a you know really important thing to recognize yeah yeah and it it is also like with what you said about um, love for self or relationship to self versus what's manifesting in the outside world I think we attract experiences that try to wake that up or try to make us realize that oh i <laughs> i need to look at myself first and that's why often we have these like for example lack of boundaries we're going to be tested until we're like oh oh okay i need to look at this stuff mm. i need to learn to set boundaries so it's i think life is funny like that because we do like if we start looking at these experiences that we attract as learning opportunities or um as a way to understand ourselves better and look at our shadow more and like deepen our connection with ourselves. It doesn't feel as bad, but if someone hasn't gone there yet or doesn't understand that it may feel quite painful in the moment, but it's just intended to essentially wake them up. And yeah. And growth and self-discovery I, I think I think psychedelics help unlock this, and so do you know other practices like meditation mm. and things like that. But growth and self discovery, I think, is once you once you recognize that it's that's not a that's not a negative. That's actually like an, one of the, the the core like essences of life is 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 you know for me is like every time every time I think I've reached a, another level in my journey, I'm like. <laughs> I don't have anything else to learn. Do you, you know, it's like <laughs> you, you become humbled again and like, you're like shed another layer, you know? You're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I, but I needed to get, I needed to get to that. step. There's no, there's no fast track, right? Like I needed no. to get to that step in my journey so that I could get to this next step. You know, yeah. you, like you wish you could just pull everybody to, you know, the level you're at or, you know, but everybody's on their own journey. And, and I think 
the most important recognition and the thing that I love to role model is that is that like I'm I'm perfectly imperfect, you know. I'm mm. I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be at this point in time and and my hope is that I am that's not the same person I am a year from now and it's not the same person that I was a year ago. You know, yeah. I'm it's the same fabric of my identity, but I'm on a continual growth and self-discovery journey and every time i make another step forward in that you know in that journey and feel that progress there's like this this deep joy and satisfaction and and i you know i, I love to uh to be able to role model that you know within my community or you know for the people that i care about because you know it's it, we i think we we strive to never show our weaknesses and and mm. be perfect all the time and we compare to others and and when you kind of cast that aside and you accept your vulnerability as a strength, you know, it allows other people to to accept th their vulnerabilities as well, because you you start to lose that fear of being judged and that fear of not being good enough and just recognize, yeah, that we're just we're, we're perfect exactly as we are. We're always enough. And, you know, today is perfect and tomorrow is going to be even better. Yeah, I love that. And it also, it's such a permission slip to others to show up exactly as who they are instead of putting up this shield of perfection. And I think society would be a much better place if there was more acceptance around so-called imperfection or just where we're at right now and owning that completely and being authentic. I 100% agree. Yeah. I have a question. So curious about um like the specifics on psychedelic journeys. I know each of them are very different, but would you maybe give an example of one that you've done like what actually happens? And again for someone who hasn't done, hasn't done psychedelics before or yeah, what how does a journey look like and are there any kind of difficult things that would happen yeah um so i'll, I'll talk about the the only one that's actually like fully legal in the u.s right now and that's ketamine and uh ketamine isn't what you would call a, a tip of like a traditional psychedelic um it's actually uh um used you know more often in surgery uh as a anesthetic um it's a dissociative anesthetic which means that it you know you kind of dissociate from your pain and through that it was discovered that you can also dissociate you know from your from your ego in a sense or from your your mentality um and now it's fully legal to be used for uh for for depression and ptsd and mental wellness um in clinics and in other other formats in the us so what that would look like um, these days, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll give my own experience because I've been yeah. I've been through a, you know legal ketamine experience, um, but the same thing can can happen individually in a clinic where you would go into a clinic, you'd be seen for you'd be approved for your you know your condition, you'd have um, conversation beforehand, you would you know make your schedule it you go in it, it you're in there for about an hour and a half you would sit in a chair that typically would give you an eye mask um and headphones with some playlist that's you know that that that's 
pre-selected and helps kind of guide your mental journey. Um, you might not even have somebody in the room with you, but you spend, you know, get an injection um, or or there's a nasal spray for ketamine and you'd go through like an hour long uh, experience and then slowly, you know, come out the other side and somebody would would greet you there and talk to you about your experience. And, you know, probably no more than two hours from showing up to the clinic to leaving the clinic, you're you're back on your way. And, and that could be a session of three or four. My experience with ketamine was, uh, I went to a psychedelic, <laughs> this is, this is an interesting story. I went to a psychedelic, um, uh, it was called psychedelic science 2023. It was the largest psychedelic, um, conference in the world that had ever happened. And this was last year in June. So June of 2023 in Denver, Colorado, which is the city that I grew up in. There were 12,000 attendees and over 500 speakers. It was like all of downtown Denver was taken over by this incredible um, scene that was, you know, all it was policymakers, it was celebrities, it was enthusiasts, it was, um, you know, providers of therapy and, and clinicians and, you know, and everything in between. And everybody was there, you know, in this enormous conference hall, and there was a ton of exhibitors. Um, and you could, and 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 ketamine therapy, like I said, is completely legal. And I uh, I I hadn't experienced it before. Um, and I, you hear a lot in psychedelic space, you feel kind of called to an experience, and I kind of felt called to to experience ketamine, and um, like that I had something to learn, and I uh, met. There was, you know, a whole whole all hall of exhibitors, like hundreds of exhibitors and different ketamine clinics. And I went and met with a ketamine clinic and they were going to run it, be running a ceremony, sometimes called a ceremony or a journey um, in in Denver on one of the nights of of the conference. So I signed up to participate in it. And would, it was would, actually sorry, would that be with many people doing the ceremony at the same time? Yep. Yeah. So this was with with multiple people. Um, and you, uh, you know, you do a, a sat and I did my, you know, pre-screening and, you know, they take your vitals and, you know, check your medications and make sure that, you know, nothing's going to conflict. And you even, you know, fill out some paperwork about, you know, what you, with specific questions, like what you, what, what you hope to gain from the experience, what your intentions are, um, you know, helps you kind of think through what you're seeking out of the experience. And that is sometimes that guides your sub subconscious thought. So it was, um, this, this ceremony in particular was held at a, uh, an Airbnb, like a house that this clinic had rented in Denver. So they weren't from um, Denver and they, um, so I got the address and I went to the house and, uh, and, this is the this is a crazy coincidence that maybe only happens in the in the space of psychedelics, but the address was actually on on the street that I grew up on in Denver as a kid that my no. family moved to <laughs> right after my dad died, like not not like a big main street, like a small neighborhood street, you know, yeah. a few blocks up from where I grew up. It was crazy, like very specific, very specific street. Like I recognized the street, I recognized the area. Um, and I was like, this can't, this can't be real. You were really meant to be there. You were... <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it felt like. It really yeah. is what it felt like. And I showed up and there was um, 10 of us and uh, there were, um, you know, like mattresses on the floor and eye masks and headphones. Uh, so we all, all went in and, um, you know, we, we 
we kind of introduced ourselves to each other. It was a group setting, but we were all going to take our individual experiences. And we met with um, like the, the lead clinician and um, the facilitators, and they gave us a whole overview about what the experience was going to be like. Uh, we did like a group meditation. Um, we set intentions going into the ceremony um, or, or the session, whatever you want to call it. In this case, we'll call it a ceremony. And then uh, after about you know an hour or so of intake, we all laid down on our on our mats and we put on our headphones. And they even asked like, what what type of what what type of music is you know do you feel called to right now? And like it was like astral or forest or comp, right? It's like different things. And so you got to kind of pick what type of music you um you you wanted to be guiding your journey or what you know what essence of the music you wanted. And then we laid down, put the headphones on, and they came through one at a time with our face with our eye mask covering our eyes. So we're just laying there. You know, I had blanket on me and came and gave us um an, an intramuscular injection of of ketamine. And within like one or one or two minutes max, um, he felt kind of carried away on this experience. Uh, it was, it was, it's very difficult to describe. Um, mm. But it was, in, it, for me, it was incredibly powerful. It was like being in this house, you know, going to the first psychedelic um, event that I've ever been to, feeling like I was at this transition point in my life. I was also like healing things with my family, having been, you know, been on that street. Uh, that I grew up on. Um, it was also Father's Day that week in um, in the U.S., and I really connected deeply with my stepfather earlier that week on Father's Day, and kind of for the first time really like accepted him into my life as oh yeah this man, this man really like really did raise me where my biological father didn't, and and I was in this house that my fam that my family moved to when when my mom met my 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 stepfather. So there's a lot of just a lot of beautiful coincidence. And so I went on this, you know, beautiful journey. It lasted for about an hour and a half. Halfway through, they came through and gave us a, each a little booster injection, um, uh, if if we if we wanted it, and and I and I did to kind of extend the experience a little bit of time. And then after an hour, like literally just ninety minutes, we slowly kind of came out of it. Um, they brought around, you know, the facilitators brought food around. We ate some food. And then we got, we all sat up and, you know, use the bathroom. If you had to use the bathroom and we um, each had the opportunity to share, you know, parts of our experience. Um, and they even, you know, they even took a little video of, e of, of each of us to give to us immediately afterward so that, you know, and I've watched it so many times so I could like reconnect with that place in time and that mindset that I was in that moment of just describing what the experience, how powerful the experience had been for me. And for me, a big takeaway was just finding comfort and and joy in in just the, in, in existence, and not feeling like I had to fight through life anymore. Like you know, even though I'd been through many experiences before, each one like is is powerful because you're at a new step in your journey, like like, like we were just mm -hmm. discussing. And this one, you know, with the coalescence of all of the different aspects that were going on in my life at that exact moment. Um, I just, I, I came out of it actually, <laughs> actually, this is funny. I walked out of the, um, I met my co-founder who was one of the facilitators at, at the experience actually. And, um, really? she was a, yeah, she was a former <laughs> Navy doctor and, <laughs> and I, 
and uh and and now was like a you know the, one of the lead facilitators and and um operating officers for this for this ketamine clinic and uh i went to the conference the next day and i was kind of like we connected because we had both been in the military but i went to the conference the next morning and i actually slept in that day i was like you know what i don't like i had these specific you know talks i wanted to go to but I just want to sleep today and I'm just going to go and check out the exhibitor hall tomorrow. It's going to be a great last day at the conference. And I walk in just as the facilitator walks in and mind you, there's over 10,000 people in here and it's enormous. And I run into, um, uh, you know, this, uh, this woman, Michelle, uh, and as, and she just facilitated me the night before. And I was like, Oh my God, thank you so much for yesterday. You know, like I was just like, overjoyed. I was like, I just had the experience was incredible. Like these were my takeaways. I, you know, last night I was thinking about it all. Blah, blah, blah. And, and she's like, Oh, and, and I said, you know, and I finally, I've been thinking about starting a business in the psychedelic industry. And I've been like, I finally had some clarity last night about what I wanted to do. I wanted to create, you know, a community, um, and, and create access to psychedelic medicines. This is like, came to me in that experience. And we got the, in this little short conversation and she was like, well, you know, I've been in the space for a while. If you need, ever need somebody, you know, on your board or uh, of directors or anything, like take down my contact information and and then <laughs> and we'll, and like the next week I was actually going to a veterans entrepreneurship training program. So I actually went the next week to um, UCLA and participated for a week long in, in a, in a, in an entrepreneurship program where I actually made a business plan around this business and created, you know, my pitch deck. And we, we pitched at the end of the week to like investors and professors. And I went home two days later and I just had this most impactful two weeks of my life. And I, the first person I called was, was Michelle. And, and we started, she started giving, you know, giving me ideas about, about the business. And she's like, well, let's start meeting regularly and um, see where it goes. And so that was, that was last July. That was six months ago. Amazing. It was all so many synchronicities. You were yeah. <laughs> yeah. the medicine. I know, was you, you, I know. You, know, you asked me to ex explain the psychedelic experience. I forgot how much is la was layered in that one specifically. Yeah, it's like the medicine was really calling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I, at some point, I just I just gave up, like just being mystified or stupefied by how much you know. Once I finally felt like I was just in tune. I don't want to lose people when I say things like this, but when I was like in tune with my vibration and frequency and felt like I was aligned with, with my calling in the universe, it was almost like the path was just, just started becoming laid out for me. And I just had to kind of trust it and, and walk it. Yeah. My experience has been very similar and it's, I almost, I, I sometimes call it like <laughs> becoming more lucky, but I don't think it's luck at all. I think it's, just things just work out and it's not that you have this big plan of okay these are the steps that I'm taking to get to where I want to be but it's more like okay one step and then something happens and then there's another one and I think the more I've, I've really consciously started paying attention to that and there's constantly these little things it's like little breadcrumbs of like okay this thing and that thing and hmm. it's just guiding guiding me and I think the more we can, I mean, we're very often programmed to have a big plan for the week, the day, the the month, the year, um, and not listen into like these nudges of, okay, this is what I need to do. Go there, call this person. Um, and I think there's a lot of magic to learning to do that. And it, at Absolutely. least for me, it's really 
completely changed my life. And I'm like, every time something happens, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm so guided. Wow. <laughs> supported. Yeah. I, 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 call, I refer to it as, as flowing through life versus like fighting against the current. When you think about a river, yeah. it's like, I just kind of let myself be taken down, down the river instead of like swimming against the current. And I was, I was just like you. I mean, I made the decision when I was 15. I wanted to go to West Point and go in the army and, and then get my, you know, my, my business education. Like I was always like, like a horse with blinders on, like, no, this is like, these, this is my path and one step and then the yeah. next step. And I'm looking four steps down the, the road and this is only to get to that one, three down, you know, three steps later. And, and I just like kind of took down those blinders once I started getting into this mindset and into the space. And just like you, I'm just like, no, I'm, let me get to this space. I'm all right. Now, now I'm, ex I'm here. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And now I'm getting not, and then what's next, you know, and I'm open yeah. to the, the serendipity of, of life and, and paying attention to the, the messages or the signals that kind of help guide my journey. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm forcing anything. Mm, yeah. I love that. And I think it really comes from a place of, um, I guess being connected to self too and be living in a space of joy um and being guided by joy and being guided by excitement instead of hustling and forcing and yeah just keeping the blinders on but i i'm also aware that it's a bit of a process to get to that state where your inner guidance you can hear your inner guidance we all have it and it's it's in us but um yeah to get there also, yeah a, exactly yeah <laughs> it's a process of letting go yeah letting go tuning in yeah and exact exactly it uh, the a, a word that has resonated with me for the last three months is the word surrender oh which... me too that's <laughs> yeah same <laughs> i really you know i've I, so i was a i was I was an army ranger and actually I have right here on my wall, this is like a paddle that I got from after ranger school, which, you know, it says like rangers lead the way and mm. I have some quotes on it. In the back, I have a, a ranger creed, which you can't read right now, but yeah. I've said this ranger creed about a billion times and can recite it like in my sleep. But a very specific part of it is that surrender. So it's, this is, this is, you know, this is a big difference from who I am today, but energetically will i meet the enemies of my country i shall defeat them on the field of battle for i am better trained and will fight with all my might surrender is not a ranger word i will never leave a fallen comrade to fall into the hands of the enemy and under no circumstances will i ever embarrass my country that's just this this one paragraph but that fact that in there is surrender is not a ranger word like i had to really relearn what that word meant to me in terms of like you know, it's it's a very different form of surrender. It's like, you know, you know, you're not surrendering from from battle. You're you're surrendering to the to the process of the natural flow of life, you know, yeah. surrendering to just being open to to what, you know, to to the bounty and the abundance that that life life can bring you once you once you accept it. So a whole it was a whole re, like relearning the connotation of what of how I accepted mm. the word surrender into my life. It's anyway, it, it's kind of kind of a tangent, but um, that was a big part of my my kind of journey over the last few months. Yeah, no, I love that, and it's true that we I I 
I would assume that many people or guessing that many people associate surrender with giving up when actually it's exactly what you said. Like, at least for me, I'm like, I, (laughs) I, I, I accept that I don't, my mind doesn't know best. Like I, based on my experience, I don't necessarily know best. Um, And I surrender to be guided. Um, And I trust that that is the (laughs) the right way for me. And um, just letting go of control and letting go of fear and trusting. And it's funny because surrender, like I've had chats with my friends and we're like, yeah, just surrender. And it's so like, it's almost annoying because it's like, but what does it mean? Am I just lying at home and not doing anything? In some cases, maybe surrender looks very different for people based on their past experiences. But it is when you get to that state, it's, yeah, it's (laughs) it's beautiful. If you're a a yoga practitioner, right, it's like, it took me a really, really long time to understand what the Shavasana pose was for, (laughs) like, you know, when they would say like, oh, this is, you know, when you're, when you're laying there at the end in corpse pose and they're like, this is sometimes the most difficult, you know, this is why we did the whole practice. This is like sometimes the most difficult part of it. Like, you know, you, you just lay there and receive at that point in time. Yeah. That's why you went through all that efforts to get yourself into this mindset where you're now fully present and you can receive, you know, the messages or receive the lessons from the practice and just let it wash over you and mm. not like be white knuckle gripping, you know, the steering wheel yeah. <laughs> trying to control it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I, I used to find it very difficult to just lie down like in, in yoga classes um, because I was so wired up and my nervous system was just firing and my mind was racing. And I was like, when can I leave? And it was twisting and turning. Mm-hmm. I got um, something to get to after this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, really thinking exactly. about the next thing. Yeah. 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 So it, it's a process. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. It's been a fun conversation. <laughs> yeah, it, it has. <laughs> Very different from what I thought, thought it would be. I don't know if I had thoughts, but yeah, I've loved it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I guess, yeah, as a final question, do you have any tips or, yeah, tips for someone who is curious about psychedelic, psychedelic therapy um, on how to go about exploring it more? Yeah, I mean, um, there's there's a lot of wonderful resources. You can, of course, go to our website at, at psychx.com. Um, the, I just, I think I would just say remain, remain open, open-minded to, to, to different, the different courses of action, you know, different, different medicines, different approaches than you, you might, um, have previously been inclined to. And, you know, a lot of people will say to me, like, I'm afraid of psychedelics or I don't want to like lose my mind or what if I'm not the same person on, you know, when I, on the other side and I'll, and I often respond with, you know, that, that fear in your head that's telling you like, oh, to be afraid of this or not to do it because you could be a different person when you get back or maybe, you know, you, you know, you'll lose your mind, right? That, that same place where that fear is coming from is, is the place from which you're going to be telling yourself, um, so I'm so glad I did that. And why didn't I do that sooner? And 
And I'll also say that if you ever feel that way, like, why didn't I do it sooner? If you ever experience it, like you're going to experience it at the right time in your life. You know, if mm -hmm. when, whenever you get there, if you get there, whenever you have those epiphanies, those realizations, it's, it's, it's at the right time for you. And it doesn't matter when it happens. All that matters is what you do from that point forward. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I think that, you know, like, you got to understand the legalities, of course, what's going on in, in your country or your state in the U.S., because every state is different. Um, but it's it, it's just important for for me to relay that. Um, that everybody has healing to do. Um, psychedelics are also associated with mind expansion, recreation. But at the core, I think there's just there's a. Uh, you know, there's a healing as an individual, there's healing as, as a society, there's healing as community, as, as a, as a, as a global community that we all, um, you know, should desire to partake in. And it starts with ourselves. It starts with accepting yourself as you are committing to the journey, accepting that we're not perfect, that we're not, um, we're not fully healed. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be fully healed to face the world. Um, we just have to be committed to the pursuit of of the journey and the desire to live with an abundant mindset. You know, the glass half full, the glass half full, um, and and that gratitude and joy can become part of your everyday existence and your consciousness. And um, the more you desire and choose to walk that path the better every single day becomes for you and that ripples out to everybody around you beautiful thank you so much oh yeah, yeah. really really beautiful i said thank you so much i really enjoyed this conversation i'm grateful for what you do and and um yeah look look forward to you know, to seeing all the other impacts that you continue to have on the, you know, in, in the, in the space and with your platform. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And likewise, um, I really enjoyed this chat and think the work that you do is so important. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Conscious Conversations with me, your host, Pia. I hope you loved this episode as much as I loved creating it. And if you did, please share your thoughts, learnings, insights, and biggest takeaways by leaving a review or by tagging me on Instagram. If you want to go deeper, check out my website link in the show notes for one-to-one -one coaching or follow me on Instagram for daily content. I'm wishing you a beautiful rest of the day and look forward to seeing you next week.